We will now have our first message today by Mr. David Hope entitled Endurance. Thank you, Mr. McGarvey. Thank you. And good afternoon, everyone. I have quite an effect when I talk. My wife tells me, shut up. No. Now, it's good to see everyone here today. And I like your song service, too, Mr. McGarvey. Endurance. Most of you have your ideas what endurance is, and, and most of them are correct. There's a few variations, but uh, I looked up a few, dic few dictionary uh, examples of it, and, and there's probably even more than that, but one is ability to bear prolonged hardship, the ability or power to bear prolonged exhortation <coughs> pain and hardship. An example is an endurance race. Some people can endure races. Tolerance for hardship. An act or example of tolerance of prolonged suffering or hardship. We Most of us have been through something like that, even mentally. Persistence over time. The survival or persistence of something despite the ravages of time is persistence. have a few synonyms of that. Staying power, stanima, fortitude, resolution, durability, strength, and survival. Today I'm going to give, talk of, give a, two or three examples of something like that and then go into my message. Uh, first of all, and and I'm given more to analogies and examples. I do that quite a bit, whether it's right or wrong. That's just my way of doing things. But I have an uh, example that uh, a week or so ago that I thought was uh, important and fit in with my message. One of my granddaughters went to the lake, Keystone, here a week or so ago out at uh, what, Appaloosa Bay. My wife and I used to go out there a lot when our children were young and go camping for the weekend or maybe even for a week. But anyway, one of her granddaughters went camping out there, and she almost drowned. And my wife and I were listening to the news uh, that Sunday evening, and somebody did drown at that particular place, at Appaloosa Bay, and we knew she was going to be there. And, you know, we were very uneasy about the situation. We were hoping it wasn't our granddaughter. And we found out a few days later, you know, she called and, and uh, she talks to my wife quite a bit. And she didn't, but what happened is her endurance wasn't what she expected it to be. You know, we've done that, I've done that, and most of us have done similar things that our endurance just wasn't up to the task. And she and uh, I guess her husband's brother or somebody, anyway, some other person went together and they went and swam across this cove and they didn't make it or she didn't almost make it on the way back I guess she said she was about 40 feet from the bank and I'm guessing probably nearly here to the back wall from the bank said I couldn't breathe and she began to panic and she couldn't move she was cramping up 
she was she was hollering at somebody to help her, and they thought she was just horsing around, you know. And finally, one of them on the bank, I think her little cousin, a female, uh, realized she was very serious, and she and another person went out and helped her in. One of the things, if you've ever taken uh, life-saving or, or something of that nature, my wife and I wouldn't have known it, but uh, we took a course here several years ago so we could be on uh, assist the lifeguard down at Big Sandy at the feast one year. So we had to take it. But one of the things they tell you to do, if you can avoid it, don't go you know, yourself and try to bring them in because they'll swamp you. First of all, it's a row, I mean throw, row, and then go. First of all, if you can't reach them with a paddle or something, you know, you, you throw something to them and then, you know, a life jacket or some something. And if you don't have that, well, you, t you, you roll out there, you know, with a stick or a flotate, anything, something, you know, that they won't swamp you. Then if you don't have anything, time's running out, then you go, you know, and then you do that. But uh, anyway, that was part of the deal. And I want to show something else, and you may think, well, how's that related to the subject of endurance? See this? I didn't put a mark on there. That's just my excuse to drink. So what's the normal expression about this glass? And when you go to a seminar or positive thinking or something, what, what's one of the expressions of this? Louder? Half full? Somebody says it's half empty. Which is it? Well, it's pretty close either way. You know, it's half full or half empty. But that's not really the point. Somebody might say, well, how heavy is it? My question is, how long can I hold that? How long can you hold one like that? Take something of equal size. How long can you hold it? You know, I could time myself. I've got my stopwatch here, but I'm not going to do it. But, uh, you know, I could do it for a minute, probably five minutes. You know, it would be a little hard. I may have to do something. And, you know, you're the same way. It, a lot of it has to do with our endurance. And we can do different weights, do different things. And it's not necessarily whether the glass is full or empty or whatever. That's not the point. It's how long can we... Hold up. I had another situation where, and, and I'm real good about giving personal examples, and you're going to know my life story time I die at 100, but uh, I had a situation similar to my granddaughter when I was about, uh, Orrin, are, are you about 15, 14? How much? 16? Okay, well, I was 15 summertime. We had just moved to New Mexico and a good friend of mine had a car and we went to the next town over Farmington to Jackson Lake. And uh, I don't know whether we were trying to impress the girls or what. We, neither one of us had girlfriends, but we thought we could impress somebody, you know, by swimming across this big old cove. I mean, it was a pretty good sized cove. And uh, we both thought we could do it. And we got out there about halfway. There's a long ways out there started beginning to get fatigued, you know, and, and when you do something like that, you really need to pace yourself. You don't just, you know, paddle like you're winning a, a marathon or something. But uh, 
I realized I was in danger. I realized, you know, I don't know if I can make it or not. And Jimmy, my friend, uh, I didn't think he could help me because he wasn't doing much better. And what I did, and, I'd, and fortunately I had Boy Scouts when I lived here in the Tulsa area years ago, and uh, they taught us different things, you know, of survival. And at times I would have to just roll over and lay on my back, and fortunately the waves weren't real high. But, you know, just relax, let the body rejuvenate itself, and, and I'm not very buoyant anyway. I sink, you know, my feet go down and I go down. But uh, anyway, and then get a little strength, and then you can dog paddle and go a little further. And, and, uh, but anyway, I did that several times. And uh, had it not been for that, and had the knowledge, the understanding, the experience, I might have been like my granddaughter, but it would have been to the point that nobody could help us. So what I'm saying is, you know, we, in a lot of cases, and you can look at a lot of uh, answers to something like that. Well, what are you doing that for, you know, or whatever. But anyway, the endurance and a lot of other lessons you can learn. And when my wife and I, not long after we were married, and I'm showing you this because I thought it was a good, good point. We'd been married about a year, I think, something like that. And uh, we had got back from a trip and just fixing, well, we'd been listening to the radio and on the country music station we had, Billy Graham for some reason came on. My mother was with us on the trip. We went to New Mexico because she lived out there when I lived out there. But uh, anyway, she liked Billy Graham, so we listened to Billy Graham. And a big part of his message, and I'll never forget it, and I thought it was so profound at that time, he said, you can be thrown over, I mean, you could be overboard on a boat or a situation like we were. You know, you'd be in a situation where uh, you're, you're going to drown if something doesn't happen. And you can throw a life preserver out, you know, usually these little round things with a rope on it and all that. And all you have to do is grab onto that and you're being saved. He said, but if you don't grab onto it, it don't care. It don't make any difference what you know, how valuable that tool is. If you don't grab onto it, you're probably not going to survive. You're probably not going to live. And I thought that was so profound. And at that time, I wasn't quite a Christian, although I'd been baptized. I think when I was about 14. But you know, I, I really wasn't real serious about religion at that time. At, you know, 18. Well, I was 19 at the time really wasn't real severe, I mean real critical about religion, but it had an impact. It made me realize Jesus has a message out here. The world has problems, and, and, and like they used to say, Jesus is the answer, you know, the, the answers are in this book. And uh, anyway, it, it made an impact on me, and, and I realized we can have all the knowledge in the world, but if we don't use it, it's not going to help us. So. Anyway, I give credit to Billy Graham for at least a little bit of something in my life. Well, I say that. I think Billy was, was a good preacher. I liked a lot of his messages. But I'm going to, and I'm not going to give too many scriptures today. Uh, we'll turn to, the uh, first one will be Romans, the fifth chapter, 1 through 6. And hopefully we can tie everything together the time it's all over with. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, 
by whom also we have access by faith and to the grace wherein we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. And not only so, but we glory in tribulation. Remember the scriptures we've read at times that Paul and some of the others, excuse me, talk about, you know, give thanks for your tribulations and your problems and all that, which it's hard for most of us to do. But anyway, he says, but not only so, but we glory in tribulations, also knowing that tribulations work patience. And we hate we hate tribulation. We hate our day-to-day problem. My problems are different than yours. Yours are different than mine. But we all have some problems, like I mentioned a few weeks ago, that, you know, some of the, the sins and problems we try to overcome, that we fight, you know, and that we're gaining on. But anyway, uh, we all have tribulation. And patience, experience, and experience, hope. And so important is the experience that we get through tribulation. And like I mentioned a while ago, had I not had the experience of the Boy Scout of, of uh, you know, how to prevent drowning when you get uh, really fatigued and tired, I probably would not have made it. But the experience paid off in that, ha- in that case. It wasn't a spiritual thing, but it was, you know, we have spiritual overtones that can apply. Verse 5, and hope, and then, and that gave me hope too, you know, when I said, oh yeah, I experienced that. I'm resting up, I think I'll make it. So I had hope. And hope makes not a shame because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit which is given us. For when we were yet without strength, in due time Jesus died for the ungodly. And even while we're in the church, we have problems now. Jesus still gives us the strength that we need. All we have to do is ask for him and believe in him. And so many scriptures, I'm not going to take the time today to, to read all of them, but most of you have known them. Uh, if, on the other hand, if you, if you think, okay, I'm going to pin you down. I want to give me some example. I'll do that afterwards. I don't want to take time up here. But anyway, I'm not trying to take shortcuts. Experience teaches us several things. When... When we really have problems, it teaches us experience, whether it's in a spiritual life, it's a problem with the people, teaches us not to panic. Panic is so bad, and we can do that even on a mental basis uh, with our people, with our friends, our relatives. To be calm, experience teaches us to be calm. It should, it don't me, but it should. It teaches us to be calm, I'm working on it. Teaches us to adjust to the circumstances and whatever it is going on in your life. You know, we may end up having to get counseling, may end up getting experts, may have to go to a marriage counselor ourselves, or or, or go to AA, or or or, or go to something that keeps you from being burglarized or something. I don't know, but anyway. And it teaches us also in a lot of ways to pace ourselves. Don't try to attack all of our main problems at one time and, and feel like if we don't overcome it all at once, then we're a failure. But another way of pacing ourselves, and I think it's probably one of the better ways, is the Sabbath. You know, we have so many problems, so much bearing down on us mentally, emotionally. The Sabbath day and the holy days, I don't think is any better way to unload yourself and to gain strength again and I'm, I see a lot of nods of heads out here that people have experienced that especially if you've been around this way for a long time been around God's way we understand 
that taking a rest mentally, spiritually, helps us. And then, not even, not just the Sabbath, but, you know, sometimes we need a little bit more than the Sabbath. And I think that's the wisdom of God's holy days that, is, uh, that are scattered, annual holy days that are scattered throughout the year. You know, we started in the spring of the, of the Passover in the days of unleavened bread. But that time we've come through a long winter and, you know, some of us are beginning to be dragged down, you know, mentally, psychologically from the pressures of the world. And God spaces the holy days at just the right time to give us that little oomph that we need. And then we begin to get closer to the day of Pentecost, you know, 50 days after that. And we understand, we have a perception of what that means, you know, in our lives. And and all the same time, we're beginning to look forward more and more to the Feast of Tabernacles. And for most of us, and even for our children that grew up in a church that don't attend with us anymore, that's the highlight of their life back when they were young. And, uh, you know, they, they would say, well, you know, uh, our friends had Christmas but we have the Feast of Tabernacles. We have eight days besides the travel and everything else. So it is such a blessing. And our children even got, and I think I've mentioned this before, our children would even mention, you know, especially when we start getting this far along, and they'll look and see the moon coming up, becoming full, you know. And they says, how many more months is it to the feast, you know? And says, okay, it's... Uh, early September or late, late September, early October, and they'll say, okay, here we're in, what, July now, and, and uh, full moon in August, full moon in September, and then what is it, the feast is early October. So anyway, but they, they start mentally building up, and so do we. So do we start building up. It's a, such a, a blessing to us to have that mental, and, and then to come back after the Feast of Tabernacles and I think some of our newer people I've heard say, you know, how a blessing it is to them. And it's a blessing to us, the older folks, the old-timers, you know, to see these young whippersnappers, you know, come to the Feast of Tabernacles and, and get the joy that they do. I, you know, that, that's, that's, that's better than what I used to open Christmas presents, you know. But to see the face on some of our young people and younger, younger in the church, you know, come and keep the Feast of Tabernacles. You know, it just it just really warms your heart to see the people enjoy it that much. And back when when we were younger and had a real job, you know, working for another company, uh, you know, it it really made the year a lot easier to bear. To you know, to not hold that water. I mean, I hold that weight of the world out here. The the you know temptations, the problems we have. So, you know, it, it teaches us uh, to pace ourselves, and the holy days are great. And it also teaches us, and we automatically will, will seek God's help. And, and it seems like the worse the problem, the worse the weight is, the harder it is to hold, the more so we're able to, to uh, seek God and ask for God's help. And I think as important as anything is... It teaches us a lot of times to seek people's help. And there's no better help than somebody that is in your way of life, people that understand, you know, your religion, that your Sabbath and, and uh, you know, your, your outlook on life. And, uh, it's, it's, and we don't 
necessarily feel like we want to burden our friends and our brethren, you know, by, oh, you know, this problem, this problem, this problem. But, you know, sometimes we need that. Sometimes, uh, sometimes I need somebody to listen to me. And sometimes you need somebody to listen to, to you. And hopefully, you know, and there's so many scriptures that shows that, that, that we are to bear one another's burdens. We are to listen to them. We are to encourage one another. And I, like I said, I'm not putting no scriptures down, but uh, they're there and most of you know them. And if you don't, you know, study it. Look at it. Get you good concordance and, and, and look at some of these subjects. But, you know, we need to communicate with one another. And that's why it's so important for all of us, each of us, to be here as much as we can every week. You know, I, 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 you know we miss some of you, you know, if you don't show up. And, and I've had people on occasion even say they missed us, you know. And we didn't show up. So, you know, anyway, but we need one another. And we, we seek people's help. We have somebody else to maybe, like they did in Moses' time, you know, when he had his hands held up, and he, you know, and, and uh, things were going well. Then when his hands started going, things went well. You know, I might need somebody after a while, you know, to come up here and help me hold the weight, whatever it is, spiritually and emotionally that I'm dealing with. And, uh, you know, we need, we need that, and we can only hold a problem, a psychological, mental, spiritual problem so long without at least putting it down. We can get it back up again in a little while, you know, after we've rested. We can pick it up again, but to bear some of these problems for week after week after week after month after month, you know, it can almost drive us crazy if we don't, if we don't have the help that we, that's available to us from each other and from God and Jesus Christ. This will get easier by the time I get there. If you turn with me now to uh, Philippians 4 chapter. And here's another good point. I, I could, have saved, could have put a lot more into it, but uh, a very, very important thing. Very important to rejoice. So many scriptures that tell us how to re, or that we should rejoice and that God loves it when we give Him thanks. And so many and you may even want to do a personal Bible study on some of that yourself, the benefits of giving God thanks. And uh, I started to even give a message on that, you know, just, just that itself. There's so many things that, that, that we can talk about that's in the Word of God. But anyway, Philippians 4.4, 4, Rejoice in the, war, in the Lord always. And again I say rejoice. Let your moderation be known unto all men. The Lord is at hand. Be careful for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. And boy, it's such a powerful uh, tool in our hand when we give God thanks. It's so important and so much lighter is that burden that we're carrying when we give God thanks and and I, and so many things, like I said, so many ideas come across when you're working on a message, and I think most of our men will say the same thing, you know, well, here's a point I'd like to bring, here's a sermon I'd like to make, but I don't have time right now, I'm going to do this one right now, but there's, there's one, and, and I don't think I've ever mentioned it before, but uh, I may have when I digress and don't remember it, but uh, I had a message when my wife and I first came to church, and 
and Miriam was coming at the time. She was just a little girl at the time when we came, and, and her mother and, and uh, Mr. Dagger. But uh, uh, one of the Upshaws, uh, Ron Upshaw or Gordon Upshaw, some of the older men know them, they were deacons at the time before they were ordained elders, but they were given sermonettes, you know, 15-minute sermonettes. And one of them, I'm not sure, and, and if they ever hear this, uh, I hope they forgive me if I get it wrong, but I'm thinking it was Gordon. I think he was the older, wasn't he, Lucy? Was Gordon older? But he gave a message, and, and I don't remember hardly anything what he said except for this one thing. And I've come to the point that... If you don't get anything out of my messages, out of the scriptures I read, but if you get a good point somewhere that will help you and encourage you, that you will remember it more than after the service is over, if you can get one point, you know, I'm happy. I'm happy. But anyway, uh, he gave a message, and, and a very simple, very simple thing. And it uh, must have been on Thanksgiving or self-pity or something. I don't know, but I still remember this. He said, I was... Uh, self-pity, I don't remember the exact word, but I felt sorry for myself because I had holes in the soles of my shoes. And some of you may have done that, and, and, and I've done the same thing. I've had cut out pieces of cardboard and put in the bottom of my shoes, you know, because the tops of them were pretty good. I didn't have the money to get them half-sewed or anything. But he said, but I, I was feeling sorry for myself because I, did, I had holes in my shoes. He said, until... I saw a man that didn't have any feet. Now that's quite a contrast. Your hose and your shoes, and maybe not even have any shoes, but you see a man or a woman or a little girl, a little baby that doesn't have feet. Now that's all relative. And I'm not going to go into the rest of it. My wife, you know, she knows what similar to what that is. She had. Uh, multiple problems with her feet when she was born, you know, and was in the hospital until she was about six years old, and then multiple operations until she was about 15 or so. So she can understand, you know, she can really identify with those things. And some of you can do even worse. You know, we have people around us all the time that, that uh, you know, aren't able to have the kind of lifestyle that we are, even young people that can't have the lifestyle that we have, you know, uh, you know, shame on us sometimes, or shame on me, I feel, you know, sometimes when I really get down and griping. I'm 77 years old, and I complain about having arthritis and knee riders or whatever it is, you know. And I, I complain sometimes, and I get to thinking, well, what about so-and-so? What about this situation? I can at least get up and walk, you know. It might take me, you know, a few minutes and a few steps to warm up by the time I get out of my recliner to the bathroom. But I'm, I, at least I can do it on my own, you know. Uh, anyway, that, that digressed way out. Um, and like I did last time, I got lost while I was digressing, I guess it is that uh, verse 6? Did I read numbers verse 6 yet? Okay, 7. Did I read 7? Didn't read 7. See, I'm getting senile. You know, people that watch this, you know, they're going to say, well, there, there's some people there in Tulsa Church that, you know, if, uh, you know, you got to watch them. Anyway, I'm going to read verse 7 anyway. I'm going to, well, I'm, I'm going to read 6 again so I can get my story flow again again. Be careful for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Yeah, I remember that. Let your request be known unto God. In verse 7. And the peace of God which passes all understanding shall keep 
your hearts. And remember the last time we had hearts? It came from the heart, whatever. It keeps your hearts and your minds through Jesus Christ, or Christ Jesus. Finally, brethren, verse 8, whatsoever thing, and I've read this so many times, and, and somebody may wonder if I know any verses besides that. I know a few, but, I, but I, I love this verse. And whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, Think on these things, you know, and, and I had, and I really need to remind myself of that even more because of the situations that we're in in our in our world right now, our country, and I got aggravated the other day when I heard some anyway news, uh, and I have to practice that, and I think sometimes when I give these messages, it's because I feel so guilty because I'm so down and I'm not doing what I need to do. Well, let's preach to somebody else and maybe, maybe you'll get it right, you know. And, uh, but anyway, in conclusion, I'm going to gear down here. In conclusion, give your mind and your body a rest that only God and Jesus Christ can give. You know, only God can give us a certain reprieve from the problems, difficulties that we're having in our life. And one, one more scripture, Matthew uh, 11, 28, and 29. Come unto me, Jesus talking, come unto me, all you that labor and heavy laden. And if there's anyone out here doing that, we're not going to have an altar call, but you know, if you feel like it, that's okay too. But uh, come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, that have problems and difficulties that really are bearing you down. That weight is really getting hard to hold. And I will give you rest. Verse 29, take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and you shall find rest unto your soul. So we can depend on God. God bless you all, and all have a great Sabbath.